Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. God bless you. Take your Bibles if you would and remain standing and open up to the book of Galatians chapter 1. On your way out this morning, we're going to give you a little gift here, a little all worked out that it's on Valentine's Day, so we'll say we're giving you a little Valentine's Day gift here, one per family if you would. It's uh, Mission 1073, it's got our coordinates on it, these uh, little coasters for you, uh, you can use around your house, just remember that the mission matters most, mission matters most, and so if you pick up one of those, our ushers will be able to give those out to you, one per family if you would please, so that way everybody can get a set of these, so if you're here with us this morning, uh, you can get one, if you're here but you're not here, uh, we'll still give you one, all right, uh, but we want your mind to get here, so if you would, uh, put out all the other distractions around you and let's just focus in for the next five hours all right good I'm glad you're listening all right all right Galatians chapter 1 if you would please and I've entitled this message no way no way Galatians chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 the Bible says Paul an apostle not of men neither by man but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and of our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity that's ours this morning to be able to gather. Thank you for the wonderful uh, singing that we've just heard uh, and lifting up of our voices unto you. I pray that our singing was sweet to your ears. And Lord, I ask that you would help us as the word goes forth. I pray that your grace would work in me and through me. I pray that you remove any distractions from our hearts and our minds this morning. I ask that we would just set aside just a few moments to be able to focus upon your word and upon you. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. <clears throat> Have you ever had somebody question something that you claim to be true? I'm sure that you have. You made a statement and, and maybe they've questioned the validity of that statement. I know that I've questioned certain truth claims that have been made. And maybe you've said something like this when somebody's made a particular truth claim to you. You've said something like, no way. Or you say, you've got to be kidding me. Or I just can't believe that. Because you're, you're thinking to yourself, that can't be true. It just seems like an impossibility. You know, this is really what was happening here at the Church of Galatia with Paul. Uh, and and um, Paul had founded these churches here in uh, Galatia, 
And he heard that the, the Galatians had now been infiltrated by false teachers. These false teachers actually said that they were sent from the church of Jerusalem. And they had come to be able to teach them what Paul had neglected to teach them about salvation and sanctification. See, they were teaching these Gentile believers here that the, the Gentiles first had to become Jewish proselytes. They had to submit to the Mosaic law before they could become Christians. Take a look at Galatians chapter 1 and verse 7. Paul says this, when he finds out about this, he says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. See, these Judaizers, these false teachers were undermining the central truth of the New Testament. And the central truth of the New Testament is justification by faith. You find that in Romans chapter 3 and verse, uh, let's see, Romans chapter 3 and I think it's verse 24 here. Romans chapter 3, take a look there. And verse 24, this whole idea of justification, yes, justification by faith. The Bible says being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And these false teachers were coming in and they were saying, hey, yeah, Jesus Christ is fine, but first you've got to become a Jewish proselyte. When Paul heard this about the church of Galatia, it was almost like he said, no way. You've you got to be kidding me. I can't believe that. He said, well, where do you get that from? Take a look at Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6. I marvel. Isn't that sort of like, no way? <laughs> I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. He goes, I can't believe this. You've got to be kidding me. See, Paul wrote this letter to defend justification by faith and to warn these churches about the dire consequences of abandoning this essential doctrine. Since these false teachers here, they were claiming to be superior to Paul, and had a more complete message than Paul, Paul was forced to defend his authority. See, they were doing everything that they could to discredit Paul and to discredit his message. Paul states that unlike these false teachers, he was an apostle. Take a look at verse 1. An apostle not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. He's saying, look, I wasn't taught by man and I wasn't sent by man. Unlike these Judaizers, unlike these false teachers, I'm an apostle. See, in the New Testament, this term, apostle, is mostly used about Jesus sending out his 12 to preach the gospel. But Paul was also an apostle because one of the qualifications for being an apostle was that they had to be an eyewitness of Christ. And we know that to be the case with Paul. Remember, he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, on the road to Damascus. So Paul is letting the Galatians know that when they came, uh, when he came to them, he came to them with authority, with the authority of Christ and the message of Christ. Now this is key, that he came with authority, with the authority of Christ and the message of Christ. See, the authority of the gospel, what we have to stand on as believers the authority of the gospel does not come because I preach it. The authority of the gospel does not come because you're a Baptist 
The authority of the gospel does not come because of any other reason other than because it comes from God. See, the authority of the gospel is not man-generated, but God-given. And Paul is doing everything in his power to keep the gospel pure. And can I warn you, church, we have to do that today. The gospel is being attacked at every avenue, in every way. It is being watered down, it is being substituted, and it is being changed. See, you and I, we've got to ask ourselves this morning, is the purity of the gospel important? Is the purity of the gospel important? I would say it's important because it's God-given. And whatever God gives to us is important. But I would say it's also important because it's the only way that man can be right with God. See, God's given man one way to be right with him. And if that's defiled, man remains defiled. See, if man is going to be right with God, then it is essential that we teach gospel truth. It's essential that we teach gospel truth. This is what I want you to take home with you uh, this week. You might want to write this down, the main sentence of the message. The gospel message is gospel truth because it's been given by God. You say, well, how will that help me? Well, number one, it'll help you when you're afraid to give the gospel because you're afraid that you won't be able to answer the questions that others have. Say, what do you mean? Well, just because you don't have the answer to the questions that others have doesn't mean that the gospel is not authoritative. I don't have all the answers to all the questions. But what I do have is the authority of the gospel. I can't answer every question that every single person gives to me, but I can state that this is what God has to say, and if this is what God has to say, you've got to make a choice whether you're going to believe man or whether you're going to believe with God. See, the gospel message is gospel truth because it's God-given. And Paul gives to us in Galatians four truths of the gospel message and one reaction because of the gospel message. And I want you to see that here in this text. I want you to take a look first at the four truths of the gospel message and then the one reaction, the word I have because of the gospel message. Number one, write this down if you would please. The, four, the first truth is the revelation from God for you. The revelation from God for you. Take a Galatians chapter 1 and verse 3, if you would please. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the revelation from God to you. What is a revelation? Uh, a revelation is an act of revealing or communicating divine truth. Something that is revealed from God to humans. And Paul is giving us two key truths that God has given to us. 
First, he's revealing the aspect of God that he's given to us to be able to experience, and it happens at our salvation. This is part of the gospel truth. What are these, what are these truths that God gives to us? What does he reveal to us? The first thing that he reveals to us is grace. He reveals to us grace. Grace be to you. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. God gives us something that we don't deserve. We don't deserve salvation, but guess what? God extends that to us. God did not have to save us. God didn't have to save us, but he did. He extends that grace to us. We don't deserve freedom from our sins, but God gives it to us. You know, I don't care what you've done this morning. You don't have to live underneath the guilt of your sin if you know Christ your personal Savior. Now, Satan may bring that up to you. He may want you to live underneath that sin, but God gives you grace, unmerited favor, saying you don't have to live underneath the guilt of that sin. It's amazing how many times that you're trying to walk with God and Satan reminds you of how many times you failed. But you know what you have to do? You've got to remember God's grace. See, we don't deserve freedom from our sin. We don't deserve to be declared righteous. Do you want to know how God sees you today? God doesn't see you as you see yourself. (laughs) Because most of us don't see ourselves the way God sees us. God sees you as if he was looking at Christ, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The Bible plainly teaches us that he who knew no sin became sin, right? So that why? So those who knew sin could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, when God looks at you, he doesn't look at and says, oh man, poor George, he just keeps struggling along and he sinned there and maybe one day he's going to get it right. That's not the way he sees me. He sees me underneath his gracious favor. He's declared me righteous. The revelation from God to you is that he gives us grace, his unmerited favor. But also it says, grace be to you and peace from God the Father. Peace. Well, what's peace? Peace denotes wholeness. It denotes soundness and well-being that characterizes God and that God created in the world. As peace was broken due to human sin, such well-being constitutes the hope for ultimate restoration by God. So let me put it to you this way. In biblical writings, peace is the wholeness that comes as a result of alignment with God's creative and redemptive purposes. Peace comes, I, I can even simplify it more, Peace comes when your life lines up with what God has for you. That's when peace comes. See, there's two, there's, there's two different types of peace. There's peace with God. That comes at salvation. That's what the gospel is about. He's revealing this to us. Grace and peace. Paul is saying that, look, you have been given grace, but you've also experienced peace, but you need to continue to experience peace. See, as believers in Christ, we experience peace at salvation. So there's peace with God, but secondly, there's peace of God. There is the peace of God. That's different. Salvation peace is peace with God. Sanctification, 
Listen, you ever wonder why you don't have any peace? Why your life is in turmoil? I'm not saying that you won't have problems. You may have a lot of problems and you can still have peace. Do you realize that from the world, the world looking in, your whole world can be falling apart. And the world looking in saying, I don't know how they're doing it. And you can have complete peace. See, every believer has peace with God, but not every believer, and I'm going to dare say, most believers don't have peace of God. Do you want to know why? The peace of God is conditional upon life choices. Did you get that? You always have peace with God. You're going to heaven. But see, peace of God is determined by life choices. How you live your life will determine if you have peace of God. See, believers in Christ should seek to live in peace also with one another. Scripture talks to us about that, and you can look that up later on. That has to do with your life choices as well. See, the key to all of this is to understand that grace and peace come from God. Take a look at what Scripture says. From God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the first gospel truth that we've been given is this revelation. Grace and peace from God. Number two, write this down if you would please. The substitution of God for you. The substitution of God for you. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, take a look there. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Look at the substitution of God for you. Who gave himself for our sins. Guess what? This is another way that God's grace is shown. And this is how we receive our peace, right? Who gave himself for our sins. He gave himself. Now listen, I want, you to, I want you to understand this. This was a voluntary act. You say, Pastor, I know that. There's a false gospel going around. You better hold true to this. This was a voluntary act on the part of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave who he is so that you and I could be rescued from who we are. He gave who he is so that you could be rescued from who you are. Turn to Mark chapter 10, if you would, in verse 45. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. The Bible says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. What it? And give his life a ransom for many. Listen, Jesus' death was not an accident. He willingly submitted himself to the will of the Father. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9 says, Then, he said, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will. See, the primary act of Jesus Christ on the cross for us was a sacrifice for sin. It wasn't just to display his love for us. No, no, no. His primary act, it was a sin offering act. See, the New Testament teaches that Christ's death was a sin offering. This was the way that our sins may be forgiven, may be put away, if you will, never to be brought up again. 
See, the gospel truth is that God has given to us a substitution. Aren't you so thankful that your sins are never to be remembered anymore? Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath hath he removed our transgressions from us. Never to be brought up again. Hey, when Satan starts to, to undermine the revelation of the grace and peace that God's given you by bringing up your sin, hey, remind him. Psalm 103, 12. Remind him, yes, I, I, I've done that. You're right, Satan, I did do that, but I'm no longer guilty because of the substitute. He willingly gave himself for me. See, many times what happens in our Christian walk is we allow Satan to remind us of all the things that we've done, but we forget to, t- we forget to remind, if you will, quote, unquote, remind Satan of what Scripture says. The gospel truth is that God has given to us revelation and substitution. Number three, the salvation from God for you. The salvation from God for you. Take a look at Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. What was this salvation? That he might deliver us. That's the deliver, the salvation there from what? From this present evil world. There is a rescue aspect. We need it to be rescued. There's a rescue aspect to salvation. I was just saw something the other day where, where um, they were, uh, there was a recount of 9-11, and this guy who had survived, he had been buried alive, and um, I, I showed the picture of him, and he's telling a story. And as the towers came down, he was buried alive, and you see him, he's covered in all the soot, and the, the firemen are carrying him out. But he said, I don't know how they found me. All that I kept doing was just start crying out, help me, help me. You know, he said, I need to be rescued. Can I tell you this morning that every single one of us who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior had to cry out to God one day, one day and say, help me, help me. You are buried underneath, if you will, the rubble of sin, the weight of your guilt, and you cried out to the Lord, and he sent Jesus on a rescue mission to be able to rescue you from eternal hell. See, we needed to be set free. And Christianity, if you will, is a religion of rescue. The verb in this this, uh, portion of Scripture, it's a very strong one. It's used in Acts of of the children of Israel when they were rescued out of slavery. Uh, It's used of Peter in prison uh, when he was released. He was rescued from a prison from the uh, hand and also from the the hand of King Herod. And then it's also used of Paul when uh, when, when he was rescued from the infuriated mob about to lynch him. So what does this death rescue us from? Take a look. What does it say there? In verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. You know what it rescues us from? Now listen. It rescues us from the worldview of this earthly system. That's what it says. The present age of wickedness, that has to do with that earthly system. Let me ask you something. When you get saved, salvation ought to change the way that you think. You should not look at at the world through 
certain paradigms. You should look at the world through the paradigm of the Word of God. We don't look at the world the way the world looks at the world today, or we shouldn't. See, we've been rescued from the way the world thinks. We've been rescued from living like the world lives. Hey, folks, I know that the world looks at uh, homosexuality and they think that it's okay. It's not according to the Word of God. It's not. We don't look at it that way. They need Jesus Christ. Uh, I know the world looks at living together before you're married as okay. It's not. It's not okay. That's not the way a Christian is supposed to look at the world. Oh, and I could go on and on and on. But see, when we're saved, we're saved from the way the world thinks. Now, that doesn't automatically happen. Do you realize that? Why do you think Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 are in the Bible? We have to renew our mind. What, do you, what does that mean? We've got we've to train our mind, if you will, to look from, at the Word of God and see what the Word of God has to say and say, no, I'm not going to think that way about that because God says that that's wrong, so therefore I'm going to think this way about this because that's what God says. We've been rescued from this world system, this present evil age, though we haven't been taken out of it. And this is where Paul is showing to us that we've got to have balance in our Christian life. This is where the aspect of liberty comes in in the book of Galatians. But our liberty, our freedom, we've been rescued from that, should never, now listen, should never degenerate into license. Turn quickly, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and following. Our liberty, our freedom. We've been set free. We've had this salvation. We've been rescued, right? But our liberty should never degenerate into license. This I say then, verse 16, walk in the Spirit. That's an imperative. Walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit. That's called war. That's called the internal war. You ever hear? I, I've heard Christians tell me, say, "Well, Pastor, I, I just don't, I, I just don't feel like being kind to people sometimes, and I feel like a hypocrite if I'm kind to them." No, that's called fighting the flesh. It's called fighting the flesh. Nobody always feels like being kind to everybody all the time, or whatever the case may be. You fill in the blank. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these two, these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things as you would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murdering, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. 
So what I'm saying here is you could be able to say, well, yeah, I'm saved, but I can just think any old way that I want to think. I can live any old way I want to live, not according to the word of God. See, the gospel truth is that God has given us revelation. God has given us substitution. God has given us salvation. Then God has given us explanation. He's given us explanation. Take a look at number four, the explanation from God for you who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. The death of Christ has rescued us from this present evil age. Now, what's the explanation? Why did he do it? Why did he do it? It's in accordance with the will of God. You know what that means? This means that all that has happened and transpired has happened and transpired deliberately and for a decided reason. This was and is the will of God. You say, well, okay, I, I know that. Well, what's the point? Here you go. The point is that we need to understand is that God loves us not because Jesus died for us. Rather, Jesus died for us because of the Father's eternal an unconquerable love for us. God's love for us did not start when Jesus died for us. God's love for us was long before Christ ever died for us. See, the gospel truth is that God has given us revelation, substitution, salvation, and explanation. Number five. Your response. Here you go. The adoration from you to God. The adoration from you to God. This ought to generate something in your life. Verse 5. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, God has given us revelation, grace, and peace. God has given us substitution in Jesus Christ. God has given us salvation. He has freed freed us from this present evil age. He's freed, freed us from the way the world lives, the way that the world thinks. He's freed us from that, and he's given us an explanation that it was all part of his plan and that you were an important part of that plan. And so because of all that, it ought to result in adoration. See, Paul reveals to us the response of the gospel truth that God has given to us. You say, what's that? That we are to give God our highest praise. We are to give God our highest praise. We are to give glory to our God. Forever and ever, we are to praise him for his wonderful works of salvation. You say, how do I cultivate that adoration in my life? Because what can happen very easily is I've given you four points, and all that they are is an outline, and it's just theological knowledge. Nothing wrong with theological knowledge, but very rarely does theological knowledge, just knowledge, lead us into adoration. So does, how does adoration, how, how can I, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. How can Paul say that? Why is Paul so excited about that? Pastor, it's not that I'm not excited about my, my salvation. I'm thankful for my salvation. But, but I, I just don't understand. How, how do I um, 
cultivate that type of adoration, that type of praise in my own life. You do it by contemplating who God is and what he has done for you in Jesus. You just take some time. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to use a four-letter word. Take some time. Take some time and contemplate who God is and what he has done for you in Jesus Christ. Oh, I, I know I'm saved. <laughs> I'm good. It's called meditating. It's called taking some time out of your day, every day, to be able to sit alone with God and think about who he is. And think about what he's done. That's how the theological knowledge can help you. Because the more that you know about God, the more you can contemplate and meditate on him. See, I think the reason why most Christians are not really excited about their salvation is not because they're not thankful for it, but it's because they've never really started taking time to think about it and all that it entails. See, and we have this gospel. This gospel is authoritative. And if it doesn't move us to give honor and praise and glory to him, then why would anyone else want what we have? So this week when you go out and you hand out your three invites, as you're handing them out, I want you to think about and contemplate who God is and what he's done for you in Christ. You've got authority today. And the reason you've got authority is because you've got the truth that has been delivered to you from God in his word. Now stand on that authority and live out that authority and share the gospel. No way. Is this all true? Absolutely. Completely. But if we're not careful, the gospel that we are preaching today could be a totally different gospel that's preached from this pulpit 10 years from now if we're not careful. That's why our authority must be from God himself. Four truths in your response. This message probably didn't teach you anything new. But it's not about something new. It's about living out what you know. And when you live something out that you know, 
It makes a whole lot greater impact than something new. Hey folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted Him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in Him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done. It's written by a friend of mine, What Other Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible. And then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below. Click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in, and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.